Welcome to Buddha in the Gas Pump, uh, a weekly interview show in which we discuss spiritual awakening, for lack of a better term. Um, this is a f the fifth in an ongoing series of interviews, and if this is the first one that you're catching, uh, there will be titles at the end of this show to tell you how to watch the other ones. They're archived on YouTube, they're going to be archived on the Fairfield Public Access TV website, and there are various other alternatives. Um, the reason we're able to make this a weekly show is that there are a great number of people these days who are undergoing a spiritual awakening. The terminology is a little bit ambiguous because different people might mean different things by those terms, but every week we discuss that term in particular and various other synonyms, and, and we, I think we're week by week arriving at a pretty good understanding of what is generally understood to mean be meant by a spiritual awakening. And so far, and I'm sure tonight will be no exception, our guests have been very clear and articulate and very genuine about what they're experiencing. This is not a philosophical or metaphysical discussion show in which we speculate about you know things we might have read in books. This is a show in which we are discussing things that people are actually experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. So, my name is Rick Archer and I'm the host of this show. And my guests tonight are Fax and Sharon Gilbert, who are very dear and, and long-time friends of mine. And um, it's really a delight to have you two on the show. Thank you for having us. And so, what I've generally been doing on these shows is just starting with a couple minutes of, of just kind of biographical information, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, what, who you are, what you do, what do you do for a living, you know, what are your hobbies, that kind of thing, just so we can get a, a feel for your kind of relative personalities or relative life, and then we'll begin to kind of get into what you may be experiencing or are experiencing. So whoever would like to go first. Um. I, I'm a performer. I'm in the schools. I do about uh, 200 to 250 school programs a year, festivals. I'm an artist and I use skills of mime and magic to communicate um, educational programs. So I have one on character and bullying. I have one called Health mm -hmm. and Happiness. Mm -hmm. I have uh, a his state history play where I bring about 100 costumes and then kids do mm -hmm. a whole play in one day. Mm -hmm. So I travel a lot. I'm, I'm in and out of Fairfield all the time, usually home weekends and out during the week. Hmm. I've been doing this for 20 years. Do you have a lot of that on video? I do. I have some of it on video. I'm, huh. I'm in the process of updating my website. So. Yeah. You might want to put a lot of that on YouTube so people can watch it. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I have a website associated with this show and I link to the people that are on, if they have a website, link to the guests' websites. and. Uh, you know, people are often curious to see what people are doing. Like last week's guest is an artist, and she has her artwork on the website. Well, I could supply you with several minutes of. You know, yeah, and uh, and also, I mean, the station that we're taping this on could probably use some of your programming if you feel like having it shown. Yeah. <coughs> and what did you do before that? Uh, before that, I taught transcendental meditation for mm -hmm. almost 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. I got into it right after college mm -hmm. and became a teacher shortly thereafter. And. My uh, Sharon and I taught, you know, probably over a thousand people hmm. all over the world. Any hobbies or particular interests? Uh, one of my passions is golf. Oh, so you and Tiger Woods have a lot in common, huh? 
<laughs> kind of a loaded question. Oh, they don't have that much in common. Yeah, he has more mistresses than I do. Uh -huh. And more money. <laughs> yeah. uh, how about you, Sharon? Um, well, I, I'm kind of the support staff uh -huh. for the facts, and I um, spend a lot of time at home, actually, um, keeping the home fires burning, literally. And um, since he's gone quite a bit, I do a lot of the support work for that and uh, cut people's hair and mm -hmm. um, do some teaching, waking down teaching, mm -hmm. and, and um, basically just try and stay out of trouble. <laughs> Are you successful? Pretty much, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <coughs> now, having known you both personally for a long time, I, it's, it's my understanding that you have each in your own way um, undergone a spiritual awakening, if, if you're comfortable with the, that particular mm -hmm. terminology. Mm -hmm. And um, so perhaps you could each kind of tell the story of, of that awakening and then we can kind of work both back and forward from that mm -hmm. point to kind of mm -hmm. see what might have led up to it or caused mm -hmm. it to, okay. to occur and, and how things have been developing since then. Mm -hmm. So whichever of you would like to go first on that. Yeah, when you ask, is the term spiritual awakening comfortable for me, mm -hmm. it is, and yet I wouldn't have described it that way myself. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about this, thinking about this interview, what I would actually even call what happened. Um, and I would call it kind of a coming into alignment with myself, mm. or a um, falling into my actual size. Mm something like that, where um, there wasn't anything sticking out anymore extraneous to who I am. Uh -huh. And um, that happened for me very gradually um, over many years. And, and I didn't know it was happening until the process had completed itself mm. in a certain way. I mean, um, when there, there was like a clicking in at some point and then looking back on it retrospectively i could see that it was something that was developing mm -hmm. for many years well, that's kind of a, a metaphorical description in a way because you're talking about you know just nothing sticking out and you're kind of yeah. falling into your you know you're fitting properly in yourself <laughs> and so on and so forth yeah. and you know it could easily be misconstrued what you're actually mm -hmm. saying uh, so maybe you could kind of as, as much as possible elaborate on that, trying to kind of give uh, yeah, the actual yeah. experience that you're trying to p you convey with those terms, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. Yeah, mm. I see what you're saying. I, I know. It's, it's always... <laughs> no I mean, it sounds like a clothing store where you just... <laughs> 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 and, and it's really true that, I mean, even if you just say simply it was a spiritual awakening, that Yeah, what does that mean, you know? You know yeah. So, um, yeah, let me see if I can be a little more clear and specific about that. Um, it sort of sounded like, you know, you've, you've just kind of a, ar arrived at a state of psychological health or personal no. self, ex <laughs> you know, comfort with who you are or something like that, which, which may be an apt way of putting it, but I think yeah. there's more to it than that that you'd like to convey. Yeah, it was, it was um, a time of coming into, I I guess I'm coming back to the same word. That's all right. I'll keep nailing you on that. Okay. <laughs> coming into 
into a complete alignment with who I already am. And who are you already? <laughs> I am, you know, who you see before you. Yeah. And who I already am now is different in many ways than who I was at the moment of that recognition. Uh-huh. Um, and perhaps, and probably different than who you were before the moment of that recognition. And also the same as I've always been mm -hmm. and in some way. And, and that's why it was a coming into alignment. It was as though all that I had been striving for or seeking for for the many number of years, even before learning Transcendental Meditation, mm -hmm. um, that seeking just kind of fell back into a place of being who I am. What had you moment. been striving and seeking for? Wealth, fame? Well, yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not that. I mean, um, you know, when I'd heard about the possibility of God realizations, mm -hmm. I knew immediately that was my purpose in life. Mm. And um, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know what it was in the, in the sense of being able to say, okay, this is the parameters of what God realization will be <coughs> until I would actually like pin myself down about it. Um, and then God realization, when I learned Transcendental Meditation and the whole understanding that was given around that turned to enlightenment. So mm -hmm. then I aspired to have enlightenment. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and though I didn't really know what those were in a real sense, they represented to me um, the purpose of why I'm here on earth. Mm -hmm. And I knew that was, in, in some intuitive, deep way, I knew that was what I came here to be and to realize. <coughs> so, but um, then, of course, in the realization of it, it it's quite different than um, the words that I would have used to describe it beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you meditated for decades, and, and then, and, and we'll get into some of the details, but then you, you did reach a point at which you, or maybe it wasn't a point, you say it was a sort of a gradual transition, but perhaps a final acceptance of having kind mm -hmm. of <coughs> found what you were seeking. Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. Um, <coughs> at, there was a, a moment of um, owning who I already am as mm -hmm. being uh, what I've always been seeking. And when that moment was reached, or even now, if it's easier to speak from mm -hmm. now, um, how was your experience different than what it had been throughout your life prior to that point? There was, you know, you know, in the seeking of that, there's always a bit of anxiety involved. Right. And, and there's always a, a carrot dangling that you're kind of yeah. going after. And that fell away. Mm -hmm. the, and and mm -hmm. the essential like striving and confusion around my sense of identity mm -hmm. dropped away. There, there just wasn't a question about it. Mm. And um, there was what I, at the time, I remember I described that myself as a block of peace. I know that sounds A block odd. of peace? A block of, because I just felt like P -E -A -C -E. solid peace. Right. right. Not frozen peace, right. but a block solid. of peace, right? Just <laughs> solid. <laughs> and that was my experience, uh -huh. uh, I would say. Unperturbable. Afterwards, you know, for many months. Right. During the honeymoon period, mm -hmm. what I would call it. But, um, yeah, so that was 
And it was, you know, of course, a joy. Yeah. So would you say that you are that piece? Mm, that, yes. you, that you're kind of, mm -hmm. you, yeah, you say, I'm a block of peace. Mm -hmm. I mean, ordinarily, if you, you say to somebody, okay, well, who are you? Yes. They say, yes. my name is Sharon Gilbert. Well, no, I mean, in more detail, who, who, who are you really? Well, you know, mm -hmm. I, I live there, mm -hmm. and I have this job, and I have right. these interests, and I like music, and I have three mm -hmm. kids, if you had <laughs> kids, or, you know, whatever they can use to yeah. describe the various features of their life. And, mm -hmm. and, and to most people, to my understanding, those things define who they are. And very right. often when right. somebody loses a big chunk of those things, mm -hmm. their whole self-image is shaken to the core, you know, because that's yes. who they are. I mean, if a, if a wealthy yeah. person loses all his wealth or, mm -hmm. you know, if someone loses a child that, that was right. really the whole focus of their existence or, yes. or whatever. Right. So I think what you're saying is that you kind of discovered a deeper aspect of yourself that really can't be defined by those kinds of external um, cues or, or you know, definitions. And, you know, well, peace is one word you used, mm -hmm. and usually we, we think of inner peace. So mm -hmm. we can think of a, a peaceful external situation, mm -hmm. but you're, uh, you're referring to an mm -hmm. inner peace, which, you right. might, which yeah. might be just as peaceful running through an airport as it would be sitting in the woods or something. Right, that, that uh, inner peace. That is true because you know the outer world is almost never exactly at peace. I mm -hmm. mean, there are times when there's peaceful moments, you know, peaceful periods in our life. But um, one can have inner peace, obviously, right. in the midst of you know, what life continues to be. Uh huh. And so you know, if your realization was one in which your 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 self definition or your self concept mm -hmm. or your self perception or your self understanding. Mm -hmm shifted and your identification became predominantly that w with that piece, mm -hmm. then surely you also still had external characteristics, you know, a body, yeah. a family, interests, right. you're, you're hungry, you're tired, you're sleepy, you're sick, you're healthy, you know, all those kinds of things are happening to another aspect of your life. Yes, and, and actually I'm glad you, you put it that way because even though my uh, experience at that time was of being a solid block of peace, mm -hmm. um, the peace came because the inner and outer experience had come into alignment hmm. with each other. There was a, uh, a kind of a seamlessness of, ex of being. Mm -hmm. And um, so even though there is a whole external range of activity and motion and, and change and my, my identity as you know, a, a woman mm -hmm. and a wife and uh, whatever else I you know, uh, hold around myself as part of who I am externally, all that <coughs> and the sense of my identity w is not separate. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, I was going to say, do you consider that piece to be like a component of who you are? And in addition to that component, you have you know, the various other components you just referred to. But you just said not separate. And not separate kind of implies right. that it's not compartmentalized like no. that. Everything no. is sort of part of a, a larger wholeness, which, mm -hmm. you know, the peace is part of it, and all the other things you yeah. mentioned are part of it at the yeah. same time. At the same time, right? It's 
I mean, you can divide it into parts and mm -hmm. components for the sake of, you know, talking about it or um, sometimes even doing inner work, you can, you know, I'm sure you've done this where you can notice something in you or a part of you is experiencing something in, in the totality of who you are. Mm -hmm. But that's really a conceptual separation and it, it doesn't exist in reality. Hmm. So, but when the rubber meets the road, let's, let's kind of consider the last time you got really upset about something. Okay. Um, in, in the midst of that experience, John, it's probably happened this <laughs> afternoon, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the midst of that experience, where was this piece and where was this awakening that you had yeah. underwent? Um, I guess I would, if we put it into a concept of, of like a spectrum of experience, mm -hmm. sometimes the piece is big and, and the, mm. you know, whatever the frazzled moment might include mm -hmm. is smaller. And sometimes the frazzledness gets bigger and the piece becomes a little uh -huh. less dominant in my experience. So it's kind of like a lens which can kind of zoom in here and zoom back there. Yeah, it, a lot of it is in terms of where my attention is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can be completely involved in frustration of, you know, trying to get the cookies to come out right that I'm baking mm -hmm. for my family right now. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the there's so many little details that you have to be aware of and I can't seem to get it exactly right each time. And, um, and at the same time, there is a, uh, the capacity, I would say, in a moment to see myself and laugh at that, to laugh at myself mm. going through that. But mostly I don't try to separate myself from my experience in any way. And if I'm going through you know, external um, anxiety and um, even um, being totally upset, I don't try to um, adjust that necessarily, you know, unless I'm hurting the environment in yeah. some way by my anger. In other words, you don't try to use that sort of inner realization or inner peace as a tool to kind no. of dampen down no, the... No, no, yeah. no. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because mm. um, it, it isn't necessary mm -hmm. for one thing. The piece has really no problem with the little fluff-ups in my personality. Mm. And so you probably would consider it to be repressive and, and even unhealthy to try to sort of, well. you know, to try to maintain some kind of mm -hmm. external even keel. Oh. Uh, yes, that's you know, true. because yeah. the internal keel is the thing that's really, that's you know, guiding the yeah, ship. That is true. Huh. I, I, I would consider it um, a bit intrusive and, or almost violent in some cases, especially mm -hmm. to try to make everything fit into a, an attitude of, say, equanimity or something. Mm. On the other hand, though, I would say that, I would say that in um, dealing with other people mm -hmm. and, in, and being in harmony with my environment, I have more capacity now to take myself in hand Be and, patient. you know, and behave appropriately. Mm. I don't have to like fly into a rage just because I'm feeling one mm -hmm. at any given mm -hmm. time. So, Yeah, I was going to say because, I mean, there's a sort of a stereotypical mm. attitude about what enlightenment might be that the Buddha himself kind of you know, depicts yeah. with his right. subtle smile and he's so peaceful yeah. and all that stuff. But, um, you know, all the people I've known, including some famous saints who, you know, are, you know, regarded by millions mm -hmm. to be enlightened, 
had a heck of a temper if the situation called for it, you know, and even sometimes yeah. where it didn't seem to call for it as far as I could tell, but, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they had no qualms about expressing the full range of human emotions. That's right. Anyone who's ever lived in close proximity to even great real-life beings, um, if you've been in an ashram, say, and you're one of the people who gets to be close to that person, mm -hmm. um, there are many stories about all of them in terms of their temper. Very few of them were totally equanimous at all. Yeah, some of the old zen, <laughs> some of the old zen masters were said to be very fierce, you know, mm -hmm. and strict, and har uh, even yeah. harsh. And right. Even Ramana Maharshi, there are stories about him and his kitchen staff. You know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> any, they spilled any rice on the floor. You would huh. get very he didn't like waste. That. Is no. there meat? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough about me. <laughs> you want, you want yeah, we'll come back to you, but okay. let's, let's, let's hear Fax's story. Yeah. Well, I, I've been meditating for you know, 25 years, and I was at the point where uh, I'd pretty much given up any chance of awakening in this life, because mm. I, when, when I'd sit to meditate, it was... I had the same number of thoughts that I had, you know, 20, you know, the year before. Right. It didn't seem like my stress level was getting any lower. If anything, it might be getting growing. You didn't show any signs of levitating. I showed no signs of levitation. I showed, <laughs> uh, if anything, it was I was going the opposite direction. And so I figured that, you know, when I became a teacher, I, I was meditating for hours and hours every day for months. And uh, if that didn't do it, I wasn't about to get back into that. So I pretty much resigned myself to just enjoying the meditation mm -hmm. for the rest of my life and whatever happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in 1999, this is like 10 years ago, uh, something started to get activated. Uh, somebody said something, we were talking about uh, unity. And this fellow said, uh, I said something like unity is with everything is one. And this fellow said, not even one. Mm -hmm. And so that, I heard that, and for some reason, it just struck me as being very Who's yeah, this fellow? Funny. Uh, Andy Ryan. Andy Ryan. Oh, Andy Ryan. Yeah, Andy. He was in town, and mm -hmm. I was talking to him. And I started laughing. Mm -hmm. There was something that uh, it sort of like slipped past my conception of what a unity might be. Mm -hmm. It's not even one. I mean, what is it if it's not even one? It, it made it more intimate to me. Mm. I had several other experiences over the next couple of months that kind of like activated my sense of presence hmm. uh, or, or proximity to uh, being. Mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't so much a concept of far away. Right. And I was doing shows the whole time, and, but there was a liveliness there, mm -hmm. uh, as if something was moving that hadn't moved in a while. Mm. And Sharon uh, set up an appointment with me with this fellow who was in town. He was a disciple of uh, Papaji, mm -hmm. uh, an Indian master who had awakened a number of uh, Western students who then came to this country. And so he, he had this process called Radical Awakening, and I went to that. Mm -hmm. and Who was that? It's, it's, his name was... Uh, Yukio. Oh, the Japanese guy. Japanese yes, guy. Ramana right. or something. Ramana. Yeah, right. Okay. Japanese I remember American. that. Yep. And so I went to that having no idea what it was. It was a type of self-inquiry which turned you back on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I had a recognition. It wasn't... I wouldn't even call it an experience. It was just a recognition of... Like when you meditate, you have the experience of... Uh, you have the identity of who you are, first mm -hmm. of all. You're a person, you're um, a Red Sox fan, a golfer, and so on. There's whole layers of identity. And when you meditate, you have the experience of pure consciousness. Well, 
and then you come back and you're having, you are always having all these experiences. In this, it kind of flipped mm -hmm. in that uh, it was like as if consciousness became aware of itself having the experience of Bax Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And it was, it wasn't anything flashy, it wasn't anything uh, special, it wasn't even hardly noteworthy, except that afterwards I just felt this, uh, this peace, mm. and I felt this connection, and I felt uh, a separation between who I was as consciousness and who I was as Vax Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And I went home and I sat down to meditate and there was nowhere to go. Mm. And so I went to sleep that night and nowhere to go. And no mantras, nothing. And, and this just deepened over the next six months, year. And you kept meditating? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh. I, didn't uh, I didn't use the mantra. I would sit But down you'd sit and close your eyes? I'd and sit and close yeah. my eyes. Mm -hmm. And there was no real way to describe it. I ended up reading these Advaitic books. Mm -hmm. Sagadatta and Robert right. Adams and all these to just try to connect what I had experienced with something that I could put my that I can hang on to. I might just interject that Advaita means usually means non-duality and it's mm -hmm. a Indian system of philosophy and experience mm -hmm. that uh, that aims to enable people to rise to a state at which they experience the, the oneness or the, the non-dual nature of life. Right? Is that a good definition? Yeah, that's good. Anyway, just have to, if we're going to throw out a term yeah. like that, we have to throw no, it. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> of all the books, that, those are the ones that that recognition I resonated with the most. Nisargadatta, Robert Adams. Yes, yeah. those guys. Mm -hmm. Right, and, um, and it just kind of rolled up. From there, it was like, I look at people, and, and there was a connection, who I was as consciousness and who they were as consciousness, it was, it was, there was a connection. You basically see that whenever you... see it. Yeah. But on the other hand, there was a disconnection between who I was as Fax Gilbert. Mm -hmm. There was a less of an attachment to the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat that mm -hmm. comes with daily living right. and my relationship. Mm -hmm. And that went on for several years mm -hmm. where you just kind of more up here. Yeah. And then I had another, I would call it a separate, another awakening, mm -hmm. where that recognition of who I was as consciousness went into my heart. Very interesting. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that was through the instrumentality of working with people in the Wake and Down right. kind of uh, system mm -hmm. of social interaction, speaking, gazing. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was very clear, it just went into my heart. And mm. that range of identity that we were talking about, there was, there was, Sharon described it as seamless. Mm -hmm. It was as if I was reconnected, this consciousness had finally owned itself as me. Mm. And there was a seamlessness about it. And that was at that point, I just felt, uh, I felt the fullness of being in my body for the first time together, mm. whole. And so that's kind of a Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Has it gone beyond your heart? I would say it's, it's, it's more in my body now, mm. as well as the heart. The reason I ask is that um, an American teacher who, who goes by the name of Adya Shanti, oh yeah. um, who's coming to Fairfield in about a year and a half, okay. as mm -hmm. soon as he can come, because <laughs> he's so popular. Um, but in any case, his, he talks about a progression uh, of awakening from the head to the heart to the gut. Mm. And maybe when you say it's in your body, that's what he means by gut. Mm. Uh, 
but it's, it's kind of cool that you, you yeah. notice the same progression. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's more physicalized. It just, it's, it's, to me, this evolution is, is not just going up and right. up and away. Yeah. It's, 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 mm -hmm. There's an evolutionary incarnation of spirit into matter. Mm -hmm. And there are different progressions that individuals have in experiencing this. And people seem to awaken in their own way, yeah. in different mm -hmm. places and, and so on. But it, it seems like there's, a, there's also, a, in addition to going up and recognizing yourself as consciousness, there's a, there's a movement inward to and allowing that consciousness to sort of rubber meets the road, mm -hmm. live itself as you yeah. more and more fully. Mm -hmm. So you have like this, this dynamic set up between who you are as consciousness and who you are as human being, so you're limitless in the limits, and then the interaction of the two creates this, you know, love, life, hmm. bliss, maybe? Bliss, yeah. fear, huh. <laughs> the whole range. Yeah. Um, when you first started talking, you, you said that you had been at a stage in your life where you'd sort of thrown in the towel and you just kind of felt like, I've been meditating for 25 years, doesn't look like anything much is going to change, I'll just kind of live it out like this. Um, and uh, it's funny because it, this friend of mine, um, whom I've actually referred to a couple times in previous weeks, <coughs> interviews, <coughs> and who is on the, what is called the Purusha program in India, which is a, a, a monastic group of guys that are doing TM for maybe 8, 12 hours a day, and TM and related practices mm -hmm. up in the Himalayas, you know, really going at it. Mm -hmm. um, he, he said that, you know, he, he sent me this email a few weeks ago in which he said that a lot of the, the guys that he hangs out with, and, and he feels maybe a lot of people out here have, you know, kind of reached our age, and they've kind of begun to reach a sort of a spiritual midlife crisis in mm -hmm. which they feel like, well, maybe I'm not going to make it, you know, and, and what, how do, what, what do I do now, and, you know, what are the implications of this, am I going to sit here for the rest of my life, or, what, you know, what? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he, his accusation of my show was that uh, I've, I've found a lot of people who have compromised and who have lowered mm -hmm. the bar be, just to make themselves feel better because mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. they sort of feel like, oh, well, otherwise my life is in vain, everything I've been doing all these decades, and so I'm just going to kind of cheapen the definition mm -hmm. of enlightenment in order to claim it and make myself feel good. Yeah. And, um, and his main sticking point was that, you know, in the TM movement there is, uh, has been a teaching um, that being able to perform siddhis or sort of so-called so supernormal abilities mm -hmm. is a, a litmus test of having actually attained mm -hmm. uh, enlightenment. Um, and you know, the, in the TM movement, there's a sort of a hierarchy of states of consciousness, mm -hmm. cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, unity consciousness. And according to his understanding, even cosmic consciousness should be associated with the ability to perform siddhis. Um, my own attitude, and I'll let you respond to this, mm -hmm is that I take everything with a grain of salt, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter who says it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I certainly respect and quote and read all kinds of mm -hmm. so-called spiritual authorities, and I take what they have to say into consideration, but I, I've kind of reached a stage in my own life where I, I'm not comfortable taking anything as a dogma mm -hmm. uh, or anything as an ironclad rule because there seem to be exceptions to every generality and, uh, and mm -hmm. awakening seems to show up in about seven billion different flavors, you know? <laughs> so anyway, uh, could, you, could you perhaps respond and elaborate on what I've been saying there? Either of you, really. Mm -hmm. Well, um, interesting uh, idea, interesting question. I, and I know that that is a concern that 
you know, people who have been very dedicated, as we all have been um, for many years, on the um, uh, trajectory of self-recognition, God consciousness, and so on, they don't want to fool themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and that was certainly primary in my experience, too. I, I did not want to, um, I didn't want to accept anything less than the real thing, and I definitely did not want to be fooling myself. Mm -hmm. And I, in fact, um, for me, doubting um, was my ally in this process, and that I would hold off for many years even trusting my experience um, because I didn't want to believe anything that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And so when the real realization fell in, um, there was a habit of doubting. Mm -hmm. And so there was a questioning that would come occasionally for a, about a week or two, a deep questioning of this, uh, is this, this can't be it, is this it? And really questioning, mm -hmm. and then recognizing that um, I could, I could let go of the doubt of my mind and just fall into what I was actually being mm. in that moment. And that, for me, eased the, um, the pain and struggle of doubting. And, but yet, it, it took a while for me to let go of that because of that very reason, not wanting to fool myself. And um, I can certainly understand where that person is coming from in saying that. Mm -hmm. and, and I think. Uh, it doesn't hurt to doubt, you know, uh, to a point, and then after a point, you can question the doubt. Right. <laughs> so. It can be a game your mind is a habit yeah. your mind has fallen into. Just That's right. Crank it along the That's same right. old, you know. And, and actually a lot of the people that I've talked to um, who are still aspiring to, for the self-recognition, I, I see in them that there's a way in which they're denying their experience because they are you know, so adamant Mm. Yeah. When I mention this show to people around town, mm -hmm. uh, there's generally a very positive and enthusiastic response. It's just oh great, it's about time for mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. But some people have the reaction, and maybe I actually am not talking to a representative sample in the community. <laughs> I have my own little circle of people who think sure. like I do, but uh, some people have the reaction that, uh, you know, they refer to it always that you're interviewing people who think they're enlightened. Mm -hmm. And there's a sort of a sarcastic undertone to the use of that phrase. Mm -hmm. And um, almost a, a hostility sometimes. And you know, Fairfield does have a history of people who cause a bit sure, of trouble, yeah. you know, and, and actually were perhaps, yeah. you know, arguably crazy mm -hmm. and who proclaimed enlightenment. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I can understand yeah. why there might why why people might be a little mm -hmm. bit squeamish mm -hmm. or skittish about, you know, anyone who claims mm -hmm. to be enlightened, but it's becoming so so commonplace almost. There's so yeah. many people that are having awakenings, mm -hmm. and part of the reason I, I wanted I to do this show right. was to make it obvious to, to yeah. the community that this is actually something happening here. Right, right. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, we refer to uh, the, the events of our recognition as recognition, awakening, mm -hmm. uh, realization, rather than enlightenment, because mm -hmm. there's so much um, well, yeah, it's it's like talking about God. I mean, yeah. the, the conceptual understandings that we've gained over the years 
uh, may not really be in line with your recognition. Yeah. And your recognition, maybe maybe you're not one of the great realizers with all the cities and the halo around your head, mm -hmm. but you can be self-realized as you are. Mm -hmm. And the concepts of enlightenment that we carry sometimes are actually getting in the way of letting ourselves be the awakened one that we are. Yeah. And which is not to say that somewhere down the line you might be the, the character with the halo and, and, and the supernormal powers, you know, but who knows what the whole span of yes, uh, right. human development or yes. spiritual development yes. is. And growth doesn't stop with uh, what, what Marishi calls unity of consciousness. Mm -hmm. There's, there are possibilities of unfoldment and deepening that continue constantly. Mm -hmm. From what I can gather, um, growth does not only not stop with the dawn of, of awakening, but it accelerates. Mm. I mean, that's I would what say I that's keep hearing true. from Absolutely, from that's so it, true. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, because you kind of, you've, got, you've kind of gotten out of the way of your mm -hmm. own progress at, at mm -hmm. that point. Um, maybe that's one way of putting it. And, and, and another way of looking at it, too, is that, um, you know, if there's a solid basis of ground mm -hmm. under your feet, so the ground of being, you can reach farther and mm -hmm. you can dare more. You so can also relax more, I think. I think a lot of us tend, maybe it's human, the way humans operate, we tend to kind of suppress or bottle up things that are too uncomfortable to look at yeah, or to right. experience. Mm -hmm. But if you have, uh, how, how did you put it, a ground, a solid, solid ground, ground of being, of being yeah. mm -hmm. then you can relax and the, if these things come up, they're not so overwhelming as yes. they might otherwise be. That's really true. And yeah. they can dissolve. I, when I was a new meditator, I, I went to my PM teacher and I, I was really upset because my girlfriend at the time was getting into heroin and mm -hmm. getting back into heroin or something mm -hmm. like that and I didn't know what to do. And uh, my teacher said, you know, mm -hmm. and I've always liked that mm -hmm. phrase because I mean, if you think of it, if we have all this mm -hmm. stuff, all this mud in us that we feel from traumatic experiences mm -hmm. and whatnot, experiencing like, if we're a glass of water, we try to dissolve the mud in a glass of water. I wouldn't use the word dissolve so much as what happens is is that it kind of, it kind of when you when you kind of accept accept your humanity and your consciousness kind of like connects with who you are as a person, then a lot of the things that were kind of submerged kind of zoom forth. Mm -hmm. There's a, uh, it's as if, uh, well, for example, in our marriage, uh, we married for, you know, uh, we'll be 35 years this, this year. Mm -hmm. And in order to make things comfortable over the years, you know, certain things would come up which weren't really gone, you didn't really go into them, dealt with. Right. Mm -hmm. But after the awakening, these, these same things would come up and there was a more of a foundation for going into it and bringing, bringing it into the light of consciousness, so mm -hmm. to speak. And there was a greater foundation because mm -hmm. I remember uh, I would get angry about something that, that Sharon did and that she wasn't able to, to, mm -hmm. to hold it because she had abusive parents and so mm -hmm. on. And they would always get angry at her and it, it was very traumatic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And after awakening, uh, I found that she would come right back at me. And so there was, mm -hmm. it was such a... Uh, relief mm -hmm. to be able to just let it out and have it come back and then yeah. have it to deal just with 
stuff. That right. was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable, yeah. right. But it, what it did was it, create, it creates more of a connection, a passion, uh, a yeah. presence that hadn't been there. Everything was kind of mechanical and it became alive. It's interesting, you know, there may be a lesson in that for me. I mean, sometimes if my wife gets mad, mm -hmm. I'm tempted to you yeah. know, reciprocate. Mm -hmm. But I find that if I can just sort of hold my temper and be patient, five minutes later she's going to do it and the whole thing is mm -hmm. past. And yeah. I feel like if I had reciprocated, mm -hmm. it would have, you know, exacerbated the situation and we'd, mm -hmm. we'd, you know, we'd still be feeling bad. It's just, it's just, every situation is different, every yeah. couple's different, but, uh, and, and sure, in certain situations that's the right thing to do, but in other situations, maybe stuffing yourself over and over isn't necessarily, you know, the right thing to do. Maybe yeah. just blowing it off, it, it, it's just, the behavior becomes more spontaneous, it just, yeah. there's no way of, it just happens, you know. Mm -hmm. so. You know, and the point you were making, too, about uh, being the ocean it does seem as though there is an integration of um, aspects of myself which before have been uncomfortable to experience. For instance, mm -hmm. you, know, you wake up at three in the morning and there's anxiety. Um, in the past, perhaps I would have done everything I could to avoid doing that. And, mm -hmm. you know, try to pack to sleep, um, you get up, read a book, anything to avoid feeling the anxiety. Yeah. Whereas now there's there's a willingness to, and a curiosity even, to feel what's there, what's arising in me. Because I found that really there's nothing which can overpower um, or overthrow my being. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, it's, so there's more, and then what that fear or anxiety or whatever impulse like that might arise gets uh, the energy behind it, I I just wanted oh, to ahead. say, you know, you know, the whole idea of, of, of enlightenment versus awakening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the word itself, it, it, it seems like it's like a noun. It has like an ending to it. Which one? Enlightenment. Right. Whereas, I don't feel, you know, from, from the recognitions that I've had, it's like the, the recognition of who you are as consciousness is, is a solid um, 
non-changing identity. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, the, the recognition of who you are as consciousness living itself as you, is, is constantly changing, constantly growing. So it's, it's like a paradox. You become comfortable with paradox. Because and, and the idea that you, know, you think you're enlightened, it has nothing to do with thinking. I mean, you don't have to think that you're a male or that you're an American or that you're a Red Sox fan. It's part of your identity. It's, it's not a thought. It's not, it's not, it's not a concept that you, that you own or that you figure out. It's a surprise is what it is. It's a, it's a surprise. That's what an awakening is. You're surprised by something. You're surprised by yourself. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible for a person to think erroneously that they're... Or to believe they are. To delude themselves, yeah. You don't walk around thinking anymore. Right. I mean, it's possible. I think we've all seen examples of it. But this is not to say that whatever spiritual prowesses and development that people are having, you know, in, in Purusha and, and in caves around the world right. or anything like what we're doing. I mean, it could be something totally different. Mm -hmm. It could be a totally different, you know, identification, a totally different experience. Uh, it could be culture. A, a totally, totally different, different Dharma. Yeah, yeah. Different, yeah. different Dharma. And by Dharma, yeah. we mean sort of course of action which is most appropriate for that individual. That person, that individual. Right. Yeah. Although I do think, wouldn't you agree that, you know, although externally, People are doing very different things in the course of developing yeah. spiritual. Self is the self. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. some kind of commonality yeah. at, the, at the basis of it all. Yep. Um, and then how it reintegrates into that person, personal mm -hmm. journey is right. different. Yeah. Light is one little lamp to be many. That's They should know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, like, I love this conversation though about uh, thinking one is enlightened because um, I don't I don't think about it as enlightened. I don't think about myself as enlightened. Right. And, I, and I one of the great joys of uh, my realized existence since the you know the time when I finally owned who I am mm -hmm. as um, who I am right. um, is the the joy of just being an ordinary realized. And also just being um, in ordinary life and having the joys and um, the sorrows also that come with that are to me that, and not knowing, the, the element of not knowing rather than the totality of knowing everything. You know, we've all, we've all heard that idea that when enlightened you know everything. And for me, it was the, the freedom of not knowing that was blissful to me. Mm -hmm. So it can be blissful in your way. Personally, in my terminology, I tend to reserve the term enlightenment for some sort of ultimate state of development, if such even exists. You know, mm -hmm. and maybe you could count people who attain that on fingers mm -hmm. one hand, mm -hmm. people that have been time in the world of fingers. And I, it's my kind of perspective that. There are many stages of awakening. There may be an initial one that's very significant, which is irreversible, and you know, from that point on, you're kind of grounded in, in itself. But as we've been saying, it doesn't stop there. You can stop if you want to. And, and there's a, who knows how many stages of awakening. And I think it's, it's 
somehow it seems to be part of realization that realizations or awakenings that often it feels like this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's almost like couldn't get any better than this. Right. And mm-hmm. like but when you had the realization you did with Brahmana where that self recognition itself recognizing yourself as consciousness. Mm. You couldn't conceive for a couple of years, I think, at least, of there being anything more to realize. Mm. And then, like at the some point, there was. Like the guys sitting in the boat, fishing, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. get any better than this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 keeps yeah. getting better. <laughs> keeps getting more true. More I true. wouldn't say, see, better indicates, okay, I'm happier and happier. And yeah. But I would say yeah. truer. There's a... Tr- there's a mm-hmm. uh, it's like truth begins to zoom forth in different levels, and that becomes more your, your focus in life is, is those moments of, of truth, whether they're painful or not. Is that the kind of thing you can give examples of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, about a month ago, my mother passed away. Mm-hmm. We, it was fairly quick, fairly sudden, and we went out to uh, Boston and to be with her. And we were there just the day before she passed. And what happens in my experience is that like her life zoomed forth in, in both aspects, both you know the purity of it and the goodness of it and the givingness of her life. And at the same time, there were the, the limitations that she was as a person. And it was as if the aspects of my being, the wholeness of my own being was activated. And at the same time, the excruciating limitations of mm-hmm her passing were also enlivened. And so there was this um, uh, poignancy of being that was very lively and very full. It was, uh, it was as if both aspects of my identity, the identity of who I was as a person and the limitations that came with that, that was there fuller and the fullness of that which held it, the consciousness that registered those experiences was there more fully. And so to me, that's, that's like the that's like the stuff of life, you know, it's because it's real. There's no, there's no like conceptual about it. You're there, and it's it's right there with you. And who you are zooms forth to meet it in whatever capacity you have. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because Marshi used to use the phrase 200 percent of life." Mm-hmm. I think most of us kind of thought about it as being, "All right, I mean, on the inside, I'm going to be the straight and white and wise yogi. On the outside, I'm going to be filthy rich." And what you're uh-huh. saying is kind yeah. of a beautiful example of mm-hmm. perhaps, any, well, there could be many examples, but I think it's a very a nice example. There's, a place, for, there's, a, there's mm-hmm. a place for the thorns. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of thorns, I mean like limitation perhaps. Mm-hmm. Because what it does is it, it, it caps the boundlessness of your consciousness. And it, it, it's what it, it, well, this, it's as if there's a limit. Mm-hmm. In looking at a sunset. Fragile, it's gone, mm-hmm. and yet because it's fragile and because it is gone, it makes it beautiful. It creates that charge. It's, it's, it's if the sun's there all the time, right. then there's yeah, not that connection, and, and so the the limitations mm-hmm. create this polarity where the where the being flows the limitation. The limitation is like a marriage, mm-hmm. yeah, and and the poignancy of life becomes precious. So in other words, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're saying, maybe uh, tell me if I'm wrong, that the Limitations make you appreciate the, un- the unlimited aspect more, and the unlimited aspect makes mm-hmm. you appreciate the limitations more. They, they kind of mutually enrich one another. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. I would say yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, see what it does is it, it's, it's like who we are are both limitation and unbounded. And it's sort of like it, it's sort of like a slot machine. When stuff like that happens, it's like more of who you are comes forward into the moment. It, it, there are times when you're more lot caught up in the limitation, the the day-to-day -day getting through whatever. And then there are times when there's more of that fullness of, of who you are as being. Yeah. But when when something like that pulls all of it forward, then yeah. there is this this kind of a sweet sadness of both together, which becomes precious. I gave an example last week, which I think might illustrate this. Is, you know, an example of running through O'Hare, trying to catch a connecting flight, and no, noticing that uh, you know, in the midst of all this chaos, near close to Christmas, crowded airport, late for the connection, mm -hmm. you know, and lungs burning, uh, running mm -hmm. down. There was this deep silence, you know, which, which was just as predominant, if not more so, than all the chaos at the airport. And, mm -hmm. and instead of thinking, oh, this sucks, I'm going to miss my flight, what a drag, it was like, wow, this is fun. This silence is cool, all this activity is cool, it's beautiful, mm -hmm. loving the experience, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so even while you were experiencing, like, the burn of the lungs and yeah. the, the concern about getting your flight, mm -hmm. which I missed, was you was all, you did? Oh my well, I got another one. <laughs> <laughs> but that, at the same time, there mm -hmm. was uh, an enjoyment of the whole experience. Yeah, it was like, mm -hmm. it was like a blast. It was really mm -hmm. fun. And it's just a case in point, and yeah. you know, not, but um. So there was a certain amount of freedom there at the, at the time that you felt like got to get yeah. to the point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was doing my darndest to get to the point because yeah. I didn't want to miss the but at the same mm -hmm. time, it was right. Uh, there was this feeling like it's not going to be in the world. I don't world, get it. Yeah. Something. The next right. thing will happen, whatever that is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. 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 I like your use of the word paradox. Um, you find that your ability to uh, incorporate the paradox within you know, existence itself with the universal mm -hmm. value, the individualized value, also makes you more um, broad-minded in incorporating other paradoxes, such as political perspectives, religious perspectives, different things like that that people get so mm -hmm. combative about in this world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Story that one sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> because you have your own particular political philosophy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm serious when I had to work at that one because um, it's painful to be only on one side you know, of something. And yet, you do find that you are on one side of something, at least in terms of your opinions, your sensibilities, and so on. So, um, it's useful to um, open to recognize that there's room in life for opposites. You know, that even having enemies is useful mm -hmm. because it strengthens one having enemies. So, you know, having all the voices is a good thing, but it's still painful, and, and I'm saying painful to the personality to have somebody express a point of view different than my own, and, and you know, uh, I get very angry at those people. Mm -hmm. So I, I think both are present, both tendencies. What I usually find is I, I kind of feel like I can see why they think that way. You know, gun control, abortion. Here's, right. here's my attitude, yeah. and and you know variety is the spice of life, and it takes 
Recognize yourself as consciousness, mm -hmm. and that's that's a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And you can you can feed that, and which can take you out of you know the the colors right. that are the rest of you know your identity. It, you can you can definitely you can feed that through experience, through direction, through attention, so that that becomes more of who you are, mm -hmm. and that's that's your that's your bigger reality, so to speak. Or you can go into the other aspects of your identity, the human aspect, the limitations, the personality, the story, right. uh, whatever it is that's, that's there that makes your person who it is and also be enlivened. And so it, it just depends where the attention goes in terms of what gets enlivened. I don't think there's any like, okay, you, you'll be like this or you'll be yeah. like this. Do you think that's a Dharma issue again? You know, yeah, I do. Some people just have a natural inclination to be it, it could also be a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. Somebody has an awakening, and like for the first few years of mine, that was all it was. And and I everything I did was to culture that consciousness, mm -hmm. my identification as consciousness. Mm -hmm. That was where my attention was, and that was that was dominant right. in my identity. So it, it's just I think it's just a natural kind of uh, progression takes place. <coughs> Some spiritual texts and teachers say that um, you know you want to kind of save the the reason for having a more reclusive or, or less involved life is to spare yourself the impact of, of sensory impressions mm -hmm. of sensory overload because that kind of uh, overshadows being or, or, or mm -hmm. pure consciousness. Um, when you took the opposite tack after those first several mm -hmm. years. Yeah. and began to plunge into your relative life more, did you find that anything was lost or overshadowed? I would say that uh, the other aspects of my identity began to, to balance out, you know, the, the, what was there in, in terms of consciousness. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was both of that. Um, you mean more of a balance between I think you know you know the idea that 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 awakening is is just in one direction is you know, it's an individual thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's not it's not something that is uh, intrinsic to the awakening itself. Mm -hmm. You see, the awakening itself isn't isn't on the level of, of mind or feeling. It's consciousness awakes to itself. So what's gonna? I mean, it's who you are. Right. What's gonna stop it? I mean, it's gonna be it, it's it's beyond it's beyond death. And so how it's going to be beyond a feeling if it's beyond death. It's going to be beyond you know, a thought about it. It's yeah. more intimate to you than, than who you are as a person, which yeah. is a thought. I have a friend who had an awakening, and she said, I think I'm going to see if I can make this go away. So she proceeded to get rip-roaring drunk, yeah, to see if it would. Yeah. And it didn't, um, although I don't think that's something she made a daily habit of. But, yeah. It can't go away. Yeah. 
before the awakening is the self. After the awakening is the self. It's, uh, there's, there's a dot. You put a dot right here, and that's, and that's not awakened. And you put another dot right there, and that's awakened. Okay, what's the difference? One knows it's awakened, the other one doesn't. Yeah. It's the same situation. Well, that may, from some perspective, that might not make any difference, but from the perspective of the person actually living life, it could make a heck of a lot of difference mm -hmm. in terms of the degree to which they enjoy their life or the quality of their life and so on. Yeah, if you, if you uh, have being strong seekers before um, this all came about, uh, there was the idea that there were actions that we could do which would further the process of enlightenment. Like rub oil on your body. Whatever, and all of the myriad <laughs> things that we believed uh -huh. would speed the process. And, and I don't know if they did or not. I know that we did them sincerely and diligently, and then awakening happened. Yeah. <laughs> so there, I don't know if there's a cause and effect with that. And, um, I would tend to say, my own attitude is that there is a cause and effect. I mean, spiritual practices have a purpose. And people who practice them tend to awaken more commonly than those. Well, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's not just coincidental, it's causal. Yeah. And what it really does is it, it does mm -hmm. sort of you know, purify, clarify, make the nervous system more um, a, 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 a more fit instrument for having that realization. Because mm -hmm. any realization, mm -hmm. any human experience mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. experienced through the instrumentality of a nervous brain. That is right. Yeah. I mean, in fact, if, a, if mm -hmm. a, an awakened person had a stroke and the brain was severely damaged, I wonder what would happen to their awakening. I don't know. Well, uh, Ram Dass had that. That's happened. true, he did. So yeah. He has a whole book about it. Yeah, yeah. He just great. Yeah. I saw the, yeah. the documentary. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I have some questions here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm in no hurry to ask them because mm -hmm. it's going well. Uh, and if I'm not asking something that, you know, mm. some thought pops into your mind or you feel like there's some thread of a conversation mm. that could have taken us in an interesting direction, mm -hmm. feel mm. free to bring it up because it's very informal. Mm. Uh, is there anything mm. hanging loose? Mm. One thing I, that occurred to me a minute ago um, is when you're talking about, uh, you know, kind of plunging into life and, you know, mm. and uh, get the terminology, but, you know, mm. allowing consciousness to kind of be lived in, in your relative life. Mm. Seems to me that that's kind of well, the recognition is that it it is now and always has been living itself as who you are, right? Yeah. And and that there's a there's a joy in that. Yeah. And and liberation mm. because there's nothing to do. And there never has been anything to do to be that because that's always the situation. It's always you never get in your own way because that which is realized is, is, has always been living there anyway. Yeah. Although, you know, that, I, I think that kind of talk is a little bit dangerous because, I mean, I've run into people here and there who just adopt that as an attitude. It's nothing to do. I'm fine as I am. But I'll just go ahead and live You're my right. life. That's and they haven't had any sort of awakening or realization, mm -hmm. but they're just kind of copping yeah, out. Yeah, it doesn't work as an yeah. attitude. It's, it's not an attitude. The right attitude, if you're going to have one, is I must have this. Yeah. I must know God myself or whatever, mm -hmm. your hair should be on fire if you right. have it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That would be a better end. Right. The old, the old uh, at some story point. of the master holding the disciple under water until yeah. he almost drowns and then right. letting him up. So you have to want it as bad as you want to breathe, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, if you have to have an attitude, that the one that comes most naturally before awakening is that strong desire. Yeah. That is true, what you're saying. Yeah. You think there's an element of grace to the whole thing? Mm -hmm. just, uh, you can make yourself available to awakening. You can uh, have spiritual practices. Uh, one, one Zen master said that uh, the spiritual practices is that, that awakening is not a linear thing, uh, and that, that awakening is an accident. Mm -hmm. But uh, the spiritual practices kind of make you accident prone. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there have been instances in which people have been alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever mm -hmm. and, and have come upon some spiritual awakening. I mean, Byron mm -hmm. Katie was in a halfway house. Mm -hmm. You know, cockroach crawled kind of across her foot. Yeah. A little bit in a, yeah. yeah, she Scooper. was out, pretty out yeah. of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, a cockroach crawled across her foot and somehow or other mm -hmm. that triggered an awakening. A powerful awakening. Yeah, right. I mean, she was never the same thing. It's like a, in a sense, it, to me, it was like a reset button in that, uh, the recognition of who you are as consciousness and going back is always, was always there registering every experience that my memory would have. Mm -hmm. In order to have that experience, it was being registered by consciousness. And it was like kind of a, a reset so that in a sense, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. there, was no, there was no change, there was no experience. It was just a recognition of, of, uh, of, a, of a reality that has always been there. And so, in that sense, uh, that's why I said nothing happens. But right. something, something happened, but it, it's not, it wasn't an experience. It wasn't like something in time the and space. Yeah. yeah. It's it sort of like you've always been a multimillionaire, but you, you did you forgot you had the bank account, and and one day somehow or other you get the key and, and you open it up and you think, mm -hmm. oh my God, this has been here all these years. I've been scraping and you know saving and pinching pennies, and I've always been a millionaire. I'll be done. Oh, you're looking through your glasses and yeah, they're on your head. Yeah, but at the thing. time we're saying this, I remember how frustrating it was to hear people, people talk like, like that. Yeah, sure. Because you're just like trying to get it, um, trying to understand it, intellectually cognize it, make it happen somehow, and say, smugly sitting there and saying this can be very frustrating to hear yeah. for a true aspirant. And so I, I guess I would just have to say, um, when I when I was saying that there's nothing you can do mm -hmm. to get this, even that is extremely important because you want to be doing something. So it is good to have a spiritual practice. Yeah. At least it helps you to relax, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if we had to distill this down to a practical recommendation, mine would be keep doing your spiritual practice. Do whatever you think whatever is, you, is, yeah. is helping you and I whatever agree. you enjoy and whatever seems to be producing benefits. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and just keep your mind open and listen. In fact, I would say also, if you know somebody who's had an awakening, talk to them about it mm -hmm. and, uh, spend and spend time with them. It's it is contagious. Yeah. Absolutely, and and, yeah. and and don't be afraid to 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 speak about where you are in your process, yeah. and and that way, if there are misconceptions to uh, owning the a recognition they may have already had, they can be cleared up. Yeah, that's important. I mean. And there are all kinds of groups and, and, and you know, gatherings that a person can associate with in order to interact mm -hmm. with people who have spiritual awakenings. And you guys have been in the Waking Down group for some time, mm -hmm. uh, which I think if you do a search on Google for Waking Down, it will come right up near the top. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
that's actually a traditional thing too. Many of the, the ancient traditional scriptures say that the company of the enlightened or the company of other awakened people is, is an extremely powerful advantage for awakening oneself. Absolutely, and and part of the reason that that's true is because, for me anyway, um, being with uh, people from my own culture, in particular, or other women or people that have had similar histories to me, uh, and they're obviously living a state of, of uh, self, deep self-acceptance and peace mm -hmm. and um, joy. Right. Uh, and seeing that they're just like me, or I'm just like them in, in most ways, and realizing I don't have to perfect myself in order to, to be all of who I am. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't have to purify myself or be some other person or ha have other kinds of experiences that are more exalted than the ones I'm having. And, you know, if there were something that I could tell my previous self, yeah. you know, that's one of your questions, yeah. that if, I, if there's something I could tell myself, it would just be trust yourself, mm. trust your experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk of lowering the bar. I think, you know, many people raise mm -hmm. the bar to an impossibly great height. Yeah. And, you know, there's, and they, they also, I think there's also a tendency in this community at least, which, which has a background, uh, a spiritual background by and large, that stems from an Indian mm -hmm. tradition, mm -hmm. there's a tendency to, to associate or perhaps to confuse many of the trappings of Indian culture mm -hmm. with awakening or enlightenment itself. You know, and, and anybody can yeah. come into town here wearing a dhoti and using an accent and people will fall off the feet. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, enlightenment or awakening is not Indian. Yeah. You know, it's not Asian. Mm -hmm. It's not even earthly. It's, it's a totally universal mm -hmm. thing, which I imagine is pretty yeah. much the same thing on Alpha Centauri as <laughs> it is here. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. um, my understanding, I don't know too much about Waking Down aside from, you know, talking to some students who are involved in it, and it's my understanding that there's a, a sort of an interesting uh, checklist that you actually can sit down and go through with someone who, uh, to verify whether an awakening that they feel they've had is, is legitimate or not. Um, can you talk about that, or is that sort of proprietary well, information? Or something? Uh, you know, it's not exactly a checklist. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were at a teacher's conference, we're teachers in Waking Down, and we were at a teacher's conference this summer where the teachers who um, have uh, the, the job of sitting with someone and, and hearing what their experience is and then confirming for them uh, what they already know. <laughs> um, they talked about it at length, and, and it, it isn't really a checklist. They all have their own way of appreciating what someone is saying. Oh, so there's not some standard questionnaire or something? No, 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 not at all. Okay. In fact, a, a lot of it had to do with confidence in mm -hmm. Confidence when a person speaks their own experience, their right. own words. And their, when I say their experience, I'm not speaking of experience um, like celestial experiences, but I'm talking about uh, the way one has uh, in relating to life and mm -hmm. to their own identity. Uh, in speaking that, there's a confidence in being which comes forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a uniqueness and of expression. And a uniqueness mm -hmm. of expression. Like they're not just parody. Right, exactly. Right. A uniqueness yes. of expression where it's it's possible to determine that a person really owns, you know, mm -hmm. this this identity. Do you feel that you both can pretty reliably assess 
No. 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 We're, we're, we're kind of new teachers. We're, we're, uh, we each have several you know, people that we work with, and you know, some on the phone, some in person. And we create the space where they can begin to own you know, more of who they are in, in terms of who they are as an individual and who they are, who they are as consciousness. And it's, it's just a, in a conversational way. Yeah. I was talking to a friend at Cafe Paradiso, which is a local coffee shop here, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and you know, she was saying, well, how are you going to choose people for the show? And I said, well, I kind of have to take them at their word. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not really qualified to, mm -hmm. you know, determine whether someone's awake or not. I just kind of maybe have a feeling about them. Like, there might be somebody that I, I'm rather skeptical of, mm -hmm. but I, I certainly can't tell anything for certain. And she said, sure you can. You can tell them. I, I said, no, actually, I can't. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe some of the criteria that you just stated is what I would use, just a, a sort of a, an obvious sincerity, genuineness of expression. Uh, you know, they're not yeah. sort of, you know, parroting concepts, mm -hmm. but they're mm -hmm. obviously speaking, you know, mm -hmm. for real. Mm -hmm. Something they're real. Yeah. That was unique for me. I mean, for years I've been reading, you know, the books of spiritual teachers, mm -hmm. you know, and you read the book and you, and you try to understand what they're saying, mm -hmm. and then after, you know, it's sort of like there's a whole reset that takes place, and you read it and you say, okay, that's what they're saying, that's what they're saying. this is how I would say it, you know, and, yeah. and this is, it, it just came alive, yeah. it's, it's like night and day, mm. the difference between concept and recognition. Yeah, there's, there's some core, I can't do it verbatim, but from the Buddha, he actually he says, uh, you know, don't believe anything anybody says just because they said it. Even if I say it, mm -hmm. Buddha speaking, don't, don't, don't just take it uh, right. as truth. You know, right. just go, you, know, you have to yes. really go by your own light, by your own experience. Because depending upon the point of reference that that person is speaking, the truth is going to be different. Right. If they're speaking, you know, uh, from the point of reference of the absolute, none of this exists. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not there. It's it's not real. Mm -hmm. From the point of view of the relative, the absolute doesn't exist. Yeah. It's just like uh, if you have a a zero, mm -hmm. and you and you have a and and you, you multiply it or divide it into anything that whatever it is, it it disappears. Only the zero remains. Mm -hmm. But if you add something, if you add the zero to anything, the zero disappears. Mm -hmm. The zero disappears. It's the same integer, but the function changes the reality completely. And so in the same way, uh, somebody who is in that is, is like very much identified with who they are with consciousness, mm -hmm. says, says, speaks from their truth, and it, it's just gibberish for you know, somebody hearing it you know, from the point of reference of the relative, mm -hmm. and the same and vice versa. There was a very nice phrase that Marshi must have repeated yeah. a million times, which is that knowledge is different in different states mm -hmm. of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that you, know, you can hear something instead from one state of consciousness from your own state of consciousness and you're inevitably going to misinterpret it mm -hmm. yeah. you can't really you know but when you rise to the same level of consciousness as you got said it then you can see what it said and that's just what you're saying yeah. you go back and read these books now that you read 20 years ago and you say oh well that's what it is yeah. mm -hmm. it's not just misinterpretation either it's actual literal truth mm -hmm. I mean the, from the point of reference of absolute this doesn't exist is, 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 is like with Fax Gilbert is a thought. Right. From the point of reference of Fax Gilbert, absolute doesn't exist, mm -hmm. and that's 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 real. The, the, the awakening is that you, you're able to hold both as a paradox. There you go. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
because that's that, it is a paradox. I mean, both married together, one one totally uninvolved, no qualities, qualityless sap, and the other totally limited, totally full of qualities, married together, and the mind can't hold that. The only place that will hold that is the heart. And like Sharon said earlier, you don't want to conflate the two so that you become a qualityless sap. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Let's uh, go through a few of these questions. These, these are some questions that um, people emailed to me. Mm -hmm. And anyone watching this is welcome to email more of them. Um, at the end of this show, there will be titles on the screen, uh, which will include my email address, chat group where you can participate with people who you know, are interested in this topic, uh, the YouTube channel where, where all these things are archived, and mm -hmm. what else we'll just keep adding to it, uh, probably establish a Facebook page after a while. But in any case, um, these are some questions that people have sent in, and uh, mm -hmm. let's just kind of skim through them, and uh, maybe we'll, we've already covered some, so we'll skip some. Um, but the first one is, um, since you awoke or shifted, or whatever you want to call it, um, how has your experience of various human emotions changed? Happiness, fear, compassion, anger, love, whichever one you care to talk about. Are they the same? Are they enhanced? Are they muted? Um, mm -hmm. You know, how have they changed? Well, for me, I would say that um, there's much more of, of uh, a dramatic experience of all of the emotions. Um, I think I tamped myself down quite a bit because uh, it would be overwhelming to experience things as fully as I do now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do experience, what did you put, anger, anger especially, fear, happiness, passion, I mean all of the, all of the above, all of the above much more fully. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I don't have, I'm not afraid of experience. Mm -hmm. I read a book when I was a kid in which there was stuff that you could sprinkle on food called ever so much more so. Whatever you sprinkle it on, ever so much more yeah. so. <laughs> like, yeah, sort of like, what is that, MSG? Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> well, I would just say there's more passion. The thrill of victory and the agony of mm -hmm. defeat are more lively. It's yeah. just, uh, you know, mm -hmm. plunging more into what I like. Good. Um, has your diet been affected by this? Well, it's already bad. It's probably, <laughs> probably gotten worse. Hey, uh, let's see. I ate a little. I ate less pork than I used to. Uh -huh. No, I, Not I, I would say pork no. Producers. No, <laughs> I would say uh, our diet's probably become more eclectic. I wasn't a vegetarian. Uh, I was vegetarian for a number of years and then stopped. And uh, now I'm not a vegetarian. Like, remember I said there was like 
uh, a clicking in. Um, I, and I read it, and I was reading this book that Samuel Bonder had written, and Samuel Bonder is the one who um, began this waking downward. And right here, the, I think the last page of his book, he said, so I invite you, something I'm paraphrasing here, but very similar, I invite you to um, disregard anything that other teachers have said and anything that I have said, mm -hmm. which isn't your experience, and to come forward with what your recognition is, what, who you are, with your truth. Mm -hmm. And there was something in it, just like it invited my being mm -hmm. forward yeah. to inhabit my whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a really powerful invitation that my being felt. And um, it, it was like I'd always been looking to others. And even yeah. reading that book of his, I was you know, looking for the truth or something in the book that would um, ring true. That, and having uh, that invitation from a teacher I respect mm -hmm. saying, no, ignore everything. Anyone has said, find your truth and be your, you know, yeah. willing to live your truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a really powerful thing for me. A lot of people who are listening to this um, will be in the Fairfield community and mm -hmm. will have had a PM background. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Marshi once said to a, a friend of mine who has been meditating since he was a little girl, I think, way back, mm -hmm. um, <coughs> 40, 50 years ago, he meditated. He once said to her, Don't compare yourself with anybody else. Uh, because she was mm -hmm. doing that. And, uh, and I think mm -hmm. we've all, at one time or another, had a tendency to. Uh, read things or hear people talk about flashy experiences yeah. they're having or something and think, yeah, I'm not having that. You know, I'm looking yeah. have a lump of clay compared to that person. That's right. <laughs> and, and that actually, I, I, I had that um, disease of comparing myself mm -hmm. unfavorably to everybody else's experience. And at some point, there was, uh, you know, it was like I was like, oh, they're all having such good experiences. I'm not having that. I'm just such a slug. And then there was a moment when my being said, well, I guess I'm here to be that then. I'm here to be this one. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, that saying, <laughs> whatever this is, this is who I'm here to be. And this is my job, in fact. My job description here is to be this one with these experiences, however unexalted they may be. You know, and it reminded me of that, uh, one of Marshy's favorite uh, verses in the Bhagavad Gita, which is um, is better in his death in one's own right. dharma or you know station in life. I have to have that one memorized. Yeah. Because one can perform it, one's own dharma, though lesser in merit, is better than the yeah. dharma of another. Better is death in one's own dharma, the dharma of another can mm. Yeah, right. So even someone with a very exalted uh, set of uh, or ways of being in the world, mm -hmm. cities or whatever they are, I would rather be who I am, no matter how humble and, and um, ordinary. And the first phrase in that verse is, because one can perform it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be someone You else. can't be someone You else. can only, you, right. you, but you're perfect at being who you are. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> who can do that better? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Any change in priorities since the awakening? Well, we were always uh, drawn to teaching. And so we still are. Just the, you know, the teaching is a little slightly different. Mm -hmm. It's more, uh, more from us. 
Did you now? Yeah. You are not only a teacher of you know spiritual matters, but you you do the seminars in, in high school. Did you schools. feel like yeah. in schools yeah. of all kinds? I guess. Yeah. Did you feel that your ability to do that, to work as a mime and a presenter of, of these programs to children, did that mm -hmm. change or improve? Uh, I would say it, it, it improved in the sense that. Uh, my ability to connect with the audience, mm -hmm. to feel the audience, and to and to just feel them in my heart mm -hmm. is amplified since the awakening. So yeah, you can't tune into them better. Well, there's more love there. There's more love for who they are and what they're going through and, and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Whereas before that, there was maybe more of a separation. Yeah. And uh, I would I would connect with them as, as consciousness, but not as you know the the wolf and wolf of being human mm -hmm. that I also mm -hmm. connect with in myself. Have you noticed a change in their response to you as a result of this? Uh, well, my, my programs are, are, are very successful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Must be fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel very fortunate to be able to express myself and, and have it appreciated and all that. I go from school to school. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something yeah. like that. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys, um, well, I think we kind of covered this, but do you still feel an inclination to sit and meditate, or are you completely engaged in activity and only awake? Mm -hmm. What? Uh, oh, <laughs> I was I thought Josh was about it. I'm just acknowledging that I understand the question. Uh, I don't meditate, uh, and I haven't felt inclined to uh, for many years now, actually. Um, except that I would say that I don't not meditate ever. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm I'm awake to what's happening and what's arising all the time. So, yeah. but I don't, I, I just want to to emphasize that I don't think there's anything wrong with meditation. Yeah. Or I, I did not uh, discontinue the practice after 30 years lightly. Right. But um, there, I guess there was a, um, a different movement of my being that had to be honored. Um, and that's what's been going on, and I don't, um, uh, well, I imagine there's a possibility I could meditate again, so I don't have anything against meditation. Right. I just haven't been inclined to do so in about 20 years now. I, uh, I meditate occasionally. I sit and close my eyes. I also, uh, like, I'll wake up maybe 4 in the morning, and I'll just lie there and, and allow just the to speak, mm -hmm. yeah. so that's a type of meditation, I guess. Mm -hmm. Among the people that I know who have awakened, there's a whole gamut. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people, I, I say that no one tends to be OCD about it like they might, like, once mm -hmm. might have been, but, you know, OCD is obsessive compulsive. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some are quite regular with meditation, mm -hmm. others don't do it at all, mm -hmm. others sort of really feel like it, there's no kind of set. There's a difference that uh, before meditation was a way to get somewhere else. Right. And if you already, you know, if the boat's on the other side of the river, it, it doesn't become, a, a, it, it becomes, a little, your re relationship to it is different. Mm -hmm. yes, that's my experience. Yeah. If, if I feel something going on inside me, you know, some rumbling, mm -hmm. or I would say movement within my psyche or in my consciousness, I, I will sit and just but it's not the meditation that I did for all those other years.
Somebody told me, uh, well, how long did you meditate? I said, I, I, I did practice Tiam and I enjoyed it for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so, well, the mantra's in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably right. <laughs> He's probably right. necessarily means that you're going to, if you were afraid to public speak before, you're going to be afraid mm -hmm. after you're awakened. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so if, if you have, uh, if you're unconscious about certain aspects of your behavior before awakening, you're going to be unconscious about those things after. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you awaken as you are, and perhaps the capacity for, for growth and experience is going to gradually, you know, increase because you have more of a foundation. But uh, it doesn't necessarily convey mm -hmm. uh, a, a change in personality or a change in dharma mm -hmm. or any of those things. But what if you're a, uh, a white beater or a thief or you know, a drug addict? Do you awaken as that? Or are those things so much an impediment to awakening that chances are you're going to have to work them out before you awaken? I don't know. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, someone's going to hear this, you awaken as you are, and, and they're going to think, I don't want to be what I am. I, I've got all these flaws, you know, I really suck yeah. at this, and I, and I, you know, I well, that's what Sharon can't was get talking along about. with people, yeah. and, and so on and so forth, and uh, so I've got to, I, I want awakening to improve me, I don't want to mm -hmm. just sort of be an enlightened schmuck. Well, maybe that's a misconception. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that what Fax is saying, though, is like, you do awaken as you are, so whatever crumpled up, you know, version of yourself at that moment but um, at the same time there's uh, always room for and mm -hmm. a kind of ability to you know, um, improve your character yeah. your disposition or whatever 
if you choose to, mm -hmm. uh, and especially if you have true friends mm -hmm. who are willing to reflect back to you how your actions impact them. Yeah. And so if you're a, a wife leader and your wife, you know, you can actually hear and see the repercussions of your actions, um, chances are you'll have a lot more um, capacity to change your behavior. Mm -hmm. Well, we could probably go on all night with this, but um, I think we've covered quite a bit. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we close? No, just that you know, I've enjoyed the conversation a lot. Um, one of the questions was, you know, is there any you know fear about public speaking or whatever? I don't have so much fear about that. I, I, have, I have no problem with large audiences. But when, when people are asking you about awakening, it's very intimate. Mm -hmm. And it isn't the easiest thing to talk about. And what I find is that the people who are really interested, it's it's easy to talk about. There's like mm -hmm. a receptivity, and it just comes, it just flows right out. And it's it's a very uh, spontaneous, creative, organic uh, process that it just you surprise yourself with what you say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if if somebody I could sense is not really interested, mm -hmm. they're just sort of like you know very kind of chit-chat or critical or whatever, or then nothing much happens. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel that uh, being here, you've made us both feel very comfortable mm -hmm. and welcome. Mm -hmm. I felt that your questions indicated a level of awakening within yourself to be able to ask the questions. You have to have a certain degree of, of uh, identity formed with that process in order to be able to, to ask the questions in the first place. And so mm -hmm. I want to... Uh, congratulate you on having the courage to come forward with this show. I think mm -hmm. that uh, it's something that will hopefully help a lot of people to, you know, give them the juice to, you know, if there's some, some process that's being activated to, to move on it, to move with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I just feel uh, gratified in the way that you've treated both of us with respect mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, you. I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that appreciation. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because in you know, putting together a list of people to interview on this show uh, and, and contacting some of them, there, there are some who I'm convinced are very profoundly awakened and have been for, in some cases, decades, mm. who are still, you know, I don't know, man, I don't want to go out in public, you know, I just don't know if I want that label attached to me, uh, you know, and uh, I, one of the, my motivations in doing this show is to kind of remove that stigma and make awakening no more a, a, an unusual or thing or something that one would want to keep private any more than one would keep private one's, uh, I don't know, interest in football or, mm -hmm. you know, so something mm -hmm. that we all take for granted. Because it really shouldn't, I mean, it's something that everyone's first, right? As far as I understand it. And it's something that everyone can benefit from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why should it be, why should one's life be kept under a bushel? Yeah, and it, right. as, as, as we said earlier, it's, it's Awakening itself is a beginning, it's not an end process. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the awakenings to come are going to be uh, societal. Mm -hmm. yeah. They'll be with people mm -hmm. uh, who are able to go more fully into who they are and inter inter interact with each other mm -hmm. in a more profound and true way. And I think that's going to provide the basis for uh, not just individual awakening, mm -hmm. but things that we can't even conceive of right now. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect ending. Commenting on it. So uh, thank you all for watching. Um, 
you'll see in the titles uh, some uh, links uh, to email addresses, website addresses, and so on, <coughs> uh, which you might want to explore. And um, if you would like to be put on a mailing list uh, to be notified of future episodes of this show, you'll see that. Uh, there's also a YouTube channel you can join and you'll be notified whenever a new video is put up. And if you feel like you might like to be interviewed on the show, if, if, you know, if, if you feel like it's the nature of your experience is uh, you know, of the sort of thing we've been discussing, then please get in touch with me. So thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.